more than half of my clients I've never met face-to-face. It's all been over Zoom because they're all around the world. Power to Live More with Joe Dodds. Welcome to the Power to Live More podcast, all about productivity, organisation, well-being, energy and resilience. I'm Jo Dodds and I started this show to enable interesting people to share their stories about how they use their power to live more and by that I mean to do the stuff that they want to do more than the stuff that they need to or should do. It's about creating a life for yourself where you have the energy, health and space to be happy and fulfilled, spending your time as you'd like, whether that be at work, home or somewhere else entirely. That's your choice. Hello, my name is Ellie Dodds and I'm co-presenter and today Joe's interviewing Brian Jones of VA Platinum. Brian is an entrepreneur and work-life balance devotee. He's the founder and CEO of VA Platinum, which exists to help business owners achieve more time, more money and freedom using virtual assistance. Back to the studio. Today I'm interviewing Brian Jones of VA Platinum. Welcome Brian, great to have you with me today. Thanks, Joe. Really good to be here. Although I'm saying today, but it's actually tonight for me because you're on the other side of the world. <laughs> it's good morning for me, good evening for you. Yep. Exactly. So start by telling us a bit about who you are, what you do, and uh, normally I say crucially where you do it, but you've just half told me that, but uh, whether you do it from home or somewhere else. <laughs> good point. Well, yes. So I run an outsourcing business with staff in the Philippines. Um, and our clients are all around the world. And yes, I have actually worked from home for 10 years. So when COVID struck, it was no change to my work or or home life. Yes, yes. Yeah, me too. <laughs> Everyone else, I, I like to say people came to me. <laughs> yes. Joined my world. Exactly. So tell us a bit about how that all came about. I mean, 10 years um, working from home is still quite unusual, I think. Um, How did you get to do what you do? Yeah, I found myself at a bit of a crossroads, Joe. Um, I think it was, I've got to now count how old my son is. So it was about 2012. He's now eight. And I was literally looking at my wife who had an amazing life and I was working 70 hours a week. So I was at the opposite spectrum to her. Um, you know, she was raising our son, going out for coffees, exercising, and I was going to the office with my team and spending a lot of time there, then a lot of time working at home on the weekends and at night. And I just realized it wasn't worth it. Mm. So I, yeah, I went about that process of systemizing my business, hiring virtual teams in the Philippines. And went from, you know, 70 hours a week down to basically 10 hours a week over a 12-month period. Wow, that's a massive change. So, and and yeah. interesting that you've sort of described it in a sort of, um, of course, that's what everyone would have done, wouldn't you, <laughs> sort of way. I can't imagine it was quite as simple a decision and, and process as, as that sounded. What, 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 were you, what did you do and, and why was this what you thought would be the, the thing to do next? Good point. Um, you're right. So Tim Ferriss brought out his four-hour work week book. Yes. So I read that and thought, 
that's a really good idea. You know, virtual teams, living a remote lifestyle. Um, you know, I'm in Australia, so imagine hooking up the caravan and going with a family around Australia for a year mm. and, and, and still work, but, you know, just check in with your virtual teams from time to time. Mm-hmm. So, you know, when I, man, there was a couple of nights, Joe, where I literally woke up in a cold sweat with stress, you know, you know, trying to bother my wife, go and get a towel from the cupboard, bring it back and, and lie back down, try and get back to sleep. And so when that sort of moment, those moments struck, you know, remembering the Tim Ferriss for our work week book, just taking snippets out of that, um, that was what helped me sort of make that, that transformation to no longer living in that old world of having an office with staff that show up and, and moving to more of that remote virtual team you know, business lifestyle. Mm. Um, yeah, that's how it all sort of started and, and kept on going. And what what did you know already and what did you need to learn in order for that to happen? Because a lot of people talk about outsourcing and, and having a, a remote team and obviously particularly now, but it's quite a transition when you've been used to having people sat in front of you. Had to learn everything seriously. I, I think, and when I say it was a twelve-month journey, I think I actually failed at using virtual teams, Joe, for three years. Right. Um, you know, everything happened. You know, it was a staff member would just disappear, and you'd go, "Where did they go?" Like they were working today, and because this person was in India, they just disappeared and they went and got another job, but they never told us that they were leaving. Yeah. Um, another person was working with us, but then um, they were working two jobs. So they actually had their normal full-time job in an office. They'd go to the toilet and check in with us, pretending that they'd work, they were working with us, and then go back to their normal desk in their corporate job. Yeah. So I had to learn a lot about developing structure, systems, templates, ways to check in with teams. Mm -hmm. Um, And... You know, I'm lucky I've actually had an amazing practice manager with me for 10 years. So between the two of us, we sort of play ping pong with one another, trying to make, you know, even now, keep things working well. Um, Mm. uh, Does that answer your question, Joe? Yeah, well, and and I guess the other question is, you you had the sort of Tim Tim Ferriss inspiration, you know, didn't Mm. we all? (laughs) But yes. We didn't all go and create a business from it. Were there moments where, <laughs> where you thought, hmm, not sure that was perhaps the right thing after all? <laughs> okay, I, I, I hear you. I'm going to take you back a little bit. So when I was having these cold sweats and when I was reading the Tim Ferriss for our Workweek book, I was running a financial planning business mm-hmm. and I wasn't running this current business I'm doing now. So, you know, back then... You know, it was me trying to make a transition in my life where I wanted to move from that 70 hours a week of crazy long hours to being able to be healthier, spend more time with my family. Yeah. So by using these virtual teams in the Philippines, I ended up cutting my work down to 10 hours a week. And then after that, I went down to 30 minutes a month. And you know, I've actually maintained my ownership in those businesses until just last month in October. I know we're doing this in November. Oh, my gosh, this is releasing in February, isn't it, Joe? Yes, it is, yeah. Okay. So so a few months ago then, 
Um, and it was through that time when I you know, went down to 30 minutes a month, it was effectively retirement for me. I wasn't doing much work. I was spending a lot of time with my wife. I ended up doing a lot of angel investing and a lot of mentoring of other entrepreneurs, and it wasn't very fulfilling. Uh-huh. So, you know, three years ago, I made the transition and said, well, what made me really successful? And it was having these virtual teams in the Philippines. So we put our toe in the water and we got three clients who wanted us to help them with virtual teams. Mm-hmm. And those three clients referred more clients. And fast forward to today, we've got over 100 clients and 200 staff. Wow. Um, so, yeah, so the, the transformation really was my own business with virtual teams and now helping other people do what I did successfully. Mm-hmm. And so what does a, a day look like for you? What are you actually doing? Bearing in mind, Well, let, let's think about the day where you are doing some work. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and we can talk about, you know, the other, the rest of the, day, the time <laughs> a bit later. Um, what, what, so I, I suppose you've, you've, um, you've emulated, you know, what Tim Ferriss was talking about. And a lot of people, when they read that book and, and reflect on that book, sort of, you know, critically say, oh, it doesn't work. And then other people mm. say it's, you know, it's a, um, an ethos and you know it, it's about your mindset and and it'll be different for you and different for everybody but it's about a certain way of being you sound like you've actually been able to you know implement it fairly to the letter almost <laughs> uh yep look, I, I really took it to heart mm. um and we all learn differently i, I learn through books predominantly Mm-hmm. So, you know, reading Tim Ferriss' four-hour work week, I took it to heart. I really implemented everything he said. And from there, I read, you know, Michael Gerber's four, um, oh, gosh, I said four-hour work week again, Michael Gerber's E-Myth book. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. And, again, I, I, I implemented it to the letter. And then when I decided to help other people with virtual teams and, and you know, emulate the success that I had, I used Eric Rees's Lean Startup book mm-hmm. and, you know, again, just went through chapter by chapter and implemented it exactly the way he said I should implement it. Um, and I just find that if you follow what these legends recommend, it's quite an easy roadmap to follow. And where has that come from? Because the average person reads things, goes on courses here's the advice and then they apply it with their own little spin (laughs) and often Mm. that means it doesn't work and you know I know when I um talk about people following programs and learning from people you know I often do say actually you've got to follow the program it's all well and good doing your own thing which you know I've done in the past I've you know learned stuff and then gone and done it with my own little twist and funny enough it doesn't work quite as well yes where, where did that ability to understand you just have to do what they say and 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 then the sort of perseverance to do it come from for you failure lots of <laughs> little bits of failure yeah. so you know I, I've had four really successful failures in business <laughs> and and those really successful failures all came from thinking I was the smartest person in the room um, you know, when you get a little bit of success and you get a little bit of ego about you, you think that you must be really smart at doing business, being in business, making money. Mm-hmm. 
and and then I discovered through you know my wife and I we started a gymnasium and we didn't follow it was a franchise and we did not follow the process that the franchisor set out mm-hmm. and we didn't lose money but we didn't succeed at the same time we we got our money back that we invested um, you know I started a an app that would show every vegan restaurant cafe outlet in Australia. And I did it my way rather than following the way that I was told by a coach to do it. And again, it failed. That one really failed, Joe, terribly. Yeah. So yeah, I basically went back to grassroots and went, well, I'm not the smartest person in the room. Let me just follow exactly what these you know, gurus are saying and then it's really up to the process. If, if, if I follow the process and I still fail, well, that's okay. Yes, yeah, yeah. Um, mm. Mm. Definitely a lesson, I think, for people listening. So going back to my question about what, what do your days look like? So when you are doing the mm. business stuff, <laughs> what does the day look like? And then we'll talk about the other days after. <laughs> um. Well, I guess I've got a really good team. So there's now 25 people in our operations level group that help clients and help virtual team members work with those clients. Mm-hmm. So my, my days are really taken with those virtual teams, um, my operations team, and just coaching and mentoring clients. So if I bring up my calendar just for today, um, after we have a chat, I've, I've got you know, one hour with my business partner, who's a Philippine national. Um, mm-hmm. I've then got three coaching sessions with new clients who we're mentoring to make the most of their virtual teams in the Philippines. And then I've got two new client appointments in the afternoon. Um, and, of course, having virtual teams, it means that in every appointment, I've also got a virtual assistant in the Philippines on the call so that, you know, they're taking all of the notes, filling the CRM, helping draft emails. So when five o'clock hits, I'm off with my son today mountain biking. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So a good balance between work and life. Mm-hmm. So you mentioned uh, when you talked about first sort of getting started, some of the issues around, uh, you said people, somebody from... I can't think where it was, but it wasn't the Philippines. It was India. India, that mm. was, you know, had left and gone somewhere you didn't know and everything else. And you've talked now about the Philippines. Is that where your team is now? It's solely in the Philippines? It is, all predominantly. So I, I still do have, there is an Indian base, but it's a small base of staff. Most of our staff now are in Cebu in the Philippines. Right. Um, I just find the culture, the ethics, um, the style of creativity and the laughter of the Filipinos mm-hmm. really suits the virtual assistant roles that they have for clients all around the world. Yes. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, yeah, it's, it's definitely our focus when we're working with clients. Yes. And I guess you're, you're sort of nearish to them anyway. It's your sort of neck of the woods, <laughs> as it were, compared to the UK anyway. <laughs> It is. It's it's an interesting thing. Most Philippine, most Filipinos, they're actually working for US clients. Yes. So yeah. there are some UK clients. So they're working a lot at nighttime mm-hmm. um, to to suit the daytime yes. of 
the Americas. For us, yeah, we're a two to three hour time gap away. So I can tell you Philippine team members, they prefer working for um, Asian clients like us or Australasian. Yes. Because yeah. they get to work a day shift and spend the nights with their families. Yes, yeah. Well, that's interesting. I, I mentioned to you before we started, I have a, a couple of um, Philippine VAs and yeah. and I don't, to be fair, I don't know loads about them. I've worked with one of them for six years and she's got married in that time and had a baby and 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 I was saying to someone the other day it's interesting we've never actually had a phone call because <laughs> I'm not I'm not wow. really a phone person and so we've always been in contact through either email or through um the tools that we use to to collaborate but I do feel mm-hmm. like we know each other quite well and you know we've got a real connection and she's so reliable and um as I say it's been like six years or something we were talking about that the other day um yeah. But I don't know with either with both of them. I, I I imagine both of them actually have other jobs <laughs> because they do a lot of my work in the evening because of the time difference. And and also I don't put short deadlines on them anyway. What I get them to do is very routine. They have similar things, you know, each week. So I'm sure they they just have a process like I do. Um, yes. But yeah, I wouldn't be surprised from you know the sort of conversations that we do have that they're they're working in you know technically their spare time sort of topping up what they do in the daytime um so interesting I mean obviously clearly I don't give them enough work (laughs) but 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 it works for you which is what matters Mm. yeah absolutely and uh as I say you know I mean I think the other one I've worked with for probably about three years now but um we were having the conversation the day how you know it's been such a long period of time and and you know it is quite funny that in these days of zoom and you know online meetings and everything else that we still haven't actually had a conversation but we haven't needed to it's really it's really you know well that is amazing well both odd and brilliant that that we have you know such a a strong relationship and such a reliable relationship through the basis of the written word (laughs) I've, i've got to say that is the most unusual because look all of our clients in their first three months they're always on zoom face to face getting to know the facial expressions and and more than half our clients actually have flown over to the philippines to you know work beside their team members so to hear that you haven't you know you don't have that face to face and it's such a strong relationship i think it's wonderful yeah really great I've had baby photos and everything, you know, we, we've got definitely got a connection, but yeah, it's odd, isn't it? So uh, it just shows yeah. it's, um, you know, there, there's many different ways of, uh, of building relationships, isn't there, I guess. So uh, There is totally, but yeah, it's good to hear you've got Philippine staff too, and it's working. I love to hear that. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So um, your day sounds sort of fairly structured around meetings, how do you make sure you get done what you need to get done? How do you organise yourself? Mm, it's all about priorities, isn't it? Um, so I have a great mindset coach who does help me a little as well. And prioritising has been an issue, Joe, for me in the past. So the way I now structure my day is um, typically I always spend every morning with my family. Without fail, I rarely do things that don't include my family before work hours. Mm -hmm. Then usually the morning section is for catching up with my existing team. So I don't do many client calls in the morning. It's all about setting up 
their weeks and their days for their success. Mm -hmm. So my team members, that is. Then I always have lunch breaks. I always do a bit of meditation, a bit of exercise, and I really prioritise my own health and mind. And then in the afternoons is for clients. So I make sure that I have at least three time slots in the afternoons, four days a week, where clients can book for either a new appointment for a new client or an existing client who wants a coaching session. And then Fridays, every week are off, and my wife and I, we call it Adventure Day, and we'll go for a hike or a bike ride, or in winter, we'll go for a ski, um, because we're only one hour from the, the ski fields where we live. Mm-hmm. And then the weekends, Saturdays and Sundays, are for my son and my friends. Mm-hmm. So it's all very structured. Otherwise, I find things get a bit hectic in life. Yes, yeah. And has has it changed since the pandemic and everyone working from home for you? I mean, I guess, like we said, you've been doing it for such a long time. Has there been any difference for you? I mean, my difference was my husband suddenly started working from home <laughs> and for a good yeah. few months our daughter was here. But, uh, you know, not a lot changed from a business perspective, but, you know, the home was slightly different. Were there any changes for you? Only Not really. So because we live in regional um, Australia, Mm. we weren't really affected by COVID other than we we didn't have our friends or family travelling up from Melbourne. Mm-hmm. So for us, it was more we had, you know, more of an insular life here. You know, schools closed down, so our son was being homeschooled. But other than that, life just kept going because, you know, all of my staff in the Philippines, mm-hmm. um, more than half of my clients I've never met face-to-face. It's all been over Zoom because they're all around the world. Yeah. And it really became almost a boom time. Since the start of COVID, we've grown now by 40%. Wow, yeah. So it was really almost hunkering down and and getting, as you were asking, the priorities really straight around making sure that we didn't lose our health and our minds with all of the growth that came with virtual assistance because of COVID. Yes, yeah, yeah. So from a sort of technical point of view, given your sort of selling people collaborating who aren't in the the same place do you, do you have sort of particular sort of tools apps and processes that you recommend or is it very much about what works for the the clients because i guess they have their own sort of bespoke stuff that they've already got in place how does how does that all work it's you're right joe collaboration so yes every business comes with their own tools and we say to them that they must treat their virtual staff member as though they would treat a normal employee in their home country, in their own office. Yeah. So each client of ours, they roll out all of their tools to their clients. But yes, I definitely have my three top tools um, that I recommend clients use. Mm -hmm. Um, The first one's Loom. Uh, I don't think I could live without Loom. Do you know what Loom is? Sorry, Joe. Yeah, I do, but for our listeners, yep. I'm not sure everyone will do. So do listen. Okay. <laughs> right. So, so, so Loom for you listeners is basically just a video um, recording tool where um, you get to have a document on your screen and you can move around the document and record your voice at the same time, so that when you're say reviewing a contract, um, you can tell the person who's going to watch the video what you want changed in that contract. Um, that's replaced email for me a lot because I used to email someone back a document or email them back instructions of how to improve something. 
And it would take you know, 10 minutes to draft that email, you know, bullet points step by step. Now using Loom, it can take 30 seconds to do the same 10-minute email. Yeah. Massive time saving. Um, Skype, you know, I used Skype when I was traveling 15 years ago around the world. And for me, surprisingly, it's our number one business tool we use across our whole company um, because you get to have video calls with it or just normal audio calls. You could leave an audio message or a video message. And for me, again, that replaces so much from phone calls or a lot of backwards and forwards because I can just leave, say, after we have this conversation, Joe, I can leave my EA a 10-second audio message that would normally take me two or three minutes to type in an email. Yeah. Um, and the last one is Time Doctor. I think there's not many business owners are aware of what Time Doctor can do, but it basically will take a screenshot of another person's um, computer monitors every, say, three minutes in real time. And it can also log every keystroke, every mouse click, every website they go on to. So if you're you know, working with virtual teams and you need absolute data integrity and data security, Time Doctor provides all of that no matter where you are in the world. Um, so it's a yeah, fantastic tool. Mm, interesting. And there's been lots of um, discussion and publicity about companies not being very trusting of their people who haven't been used to homeworking and they've wanted to put, you know, monitoring and stuff on their computers that this doesn't strike me as as for that purpose it's 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 for um this sort of outsourcing thing isn't it in terms of um yeah ensuring i agree place we've done I, it I, sort of thing but there's a whole thing about isn't there in there at the moment about not trusting people it's not about that presumably it's not so many of my clients have said oh we're using time doctor for our virtual teams can we use it for our teams in the UK, America, and Australia? It's like, no, you cannot. You cannot put this you know, computer monitoring software on their computers because it's almost like an invasion of privacy. Yeah. Um, yeah, the way we use it, it's really for recording the staff members' work hours, making sure that they're doing their hours. Yes. Um, but more for many of our clients have like financial institutions, banks, insurance companies, mm. they demand 100% data integrity. Yes. So we have to make sure that, you know, I've got three full-time security staff that just monitor the screenshots of staff to ensure that you know, there's no virus on their computers, no one's hacking in and stealing data. Yes. Yeah. So, yeah, no, you definitely wouldn't do that with, with a normal employee. <laughs> so let's talk a bit about outsourcing and, and what sort of tips you have for people to do that because it's something I talk about a lot and a lot of the people I talk to don't don't do it and they sort of want to I, I, I spoke at an event a couple of years ago and talked about outsourcing and somebody came up to me and, and he was just so like oh my god I just so need to do this I've got all these things that I need to get done and you know this would be the route to do it and I and I gave him my details and said you know get in touch my VA's got some availability I could put you in touch with them and everything else and of course I never heard from him again and I know myself that I've outsourced quite a 
you know a good amount of stuff in fact I was just um, chuckling to myself after we had the discussion um, about my lovely VAs in, in the Philippines that one of them actually edits the podcast so I don't think she listens to the interviews but if she does <laughs> hi Ella yeah. you're brilliant. <laughs> um, but you know she didn't until about six months ago um, because I sort of imagined I could I was the only one who could do the editing and I was the only one who ought to do this that and the other and I sort of in the end thought no I'll just as you said I'll just record a video show her what to do give her the instructions and funny enough straight away she could do it and she's been doing it ever since sort of thing and um and I know there's things that have taken me ages to outsource because it just felt like it was too difficult and I had to get my process right first and record my video to show them what to do and everything else and when I do it I think oh why didn't I do that like six months ago and so I know there's loads of people who think outsourcing ought to be something that they do and that it sounds like a great thing but they never get around to doing it what sort of tips do you have for those people (laughs) they need a big why so there's two things that we help clients with first we 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 help them uncover their why like why are you in business what are you trying to achieve in your life now, most people say that they want to help others or they want to spend more time with their family. They want to make more money. Maybe they want more freedom to travel the world. And unless they uncover that real reason of why they're doing what they're doing, it's very hard for them to then to start to let go of tasks that they feel like they're the only ones that can do them mm-hmm. because they just get stuck in that rut of just continually doing what they're doing, but they're probably not achieving their best life. Um, the second thing we do is we get them to um, write down their fears. So we've got a fears worksheet that we ask every client to fill in, like what's holding you back? What are the obstacles? Um, and it could be that they're fearing letting go, they're fearing if the person might not understand what they're doing, that they might um, send an email to a client that they shouldn't send to that client. So there might be a whole lot of fears holding them back and often they're irrational fears, not real fears. So, yeah, they're the two things that we do to help clients overcome their inertia Mm. in in not hiring a VA. That's just great to hear because I... It's interesting, you know, somebody's come to you to talk to you about doing that and still have has blockers in terms of getting it done. I so I suppose, you know, my example sort of fits with that, that, you know, you, you outsource three things, but there's another six things that you could outsource, but for whatever reason you don't. And as you say, it's that those fears and, and those blockers that, that sort of get in the way. And um, so it's great to hear that you've got a, a sort of process to take people from being interested to actually making it happen, I, I guess, at all levels, because they probably do the same. They come to you for one thing, and there's a whole host of things you can help them with, but they just haven't quite got to the point of knowing that yet. <laughs> yeah, it's so true. And we, it, as you know, Joe, like, you know, with all of your clients as well, it's more of an emotional journey. So we say to them, look, what are the 10 things you hate doing the most in your business? Mm. Now, how would it feel if you gave those 10 things you hate doing the most to someone else to do? Yeah. How would that make you feel? And that really gets them starting to think about what their life could become if they're not doing the things they hate doing. Mm, mm. Um, It becomes quite powerful. They really start to go, oh, my gosh, if I really can no longer do those 10 things, I could spend my time doing this, 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 and this. Usually 
more time with family, more time with friends, losing weight, getting fit. There's so many other things you could do with your time. Mm, mm. Um, Absolutely. Yes. So mm. if you're listening and you haven't outsourced anything yet, <laughs> now is your time. <laughs> totally agree. <laughs> so what about your own sort of development and, and learning and, and improving yourself? Given you've read books and implemented them to the letter, I'm sure there's mm. things that you can share to help people here. Yeah, yeah, it really is the books. Uh, so I learn, I think most of my learning comes from books. Mm-hmm. I also, every year, I take a, a new course. So, you know, right now I'm doing the Key Person of Influence course mm-hmm. um, with a company called Dent. Um, and, oh, you know, that's a, a – sorry, Joe. Is that Daniel Priestley? It is, correct. Yes, 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 yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, so, you know, I started that only two months ago, so I've got another 10 months on that journey. Are you writing a and book by any chance? Oh, well, yes, I am. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> have you been through the course? I haven't, but I have read the okay. book and I, uh, and I do buy into uh, the, the sort of um, concepts. And, yeah, I haven't, I haven't followed it yet, but maybe I should be inspired by your um, uh, implementing of books. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it is very good, this KPI program, mm-hmm. Daniel Priestley, very good. Yes, yes, yeah. Um, yeah, so, so books, uh, one course a year um, is what I try to achieve. Um, I also have a mindset coach and, and really I, I learn a lot about life and, and how to live my best life from the mindset coach. And I've also got, you know, three friends who were like accountability buddies that make sure that we um, get enough. I know it sounds crazy, Joe, but like I've got a Google sheet with a friend where we track our sleep, um, how much coffee we have, how much alcohol we have, yeah. and how much exercise we have mm-hmm. or do. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, so, again, learning from my friends and using them as mentors and accountability buddies um, mm-hmm. really, really helps me in my everyday life. So you said you have a mindset coach, and, and again, it's not something that everybody has. Where did that come from? Or should I say, where did he or she come from? <laughs> but, you know, why, why is it something that you thought was important and that you've done and followed and, and worked with? I think um, everyone has at some time internal angst. And for me, no matter how successful I was in business, you know, even by going from 70 hours a week eventually becoming 30 hours a month in my business. And it was literally running on autopilot without me. I still had internal angst about my own past insecurities as a person. Mm -hmm. And even starting this current business that has grown from nothing to a 5 million a year revenue business, I've still got those, I don't know, that, that internal angst around, am I good enough? Um, am I doing the right thing? Am I being a good father and husband? Mm-hmm. And so for me, a, a mindset coach really helps me settle those anxieties, the, the internal rumblings, and gets me to focus on you know, just one or two things that I can control and should control. Yes. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, the mindset coach, I think, for me, has been by far um, the biggest win in my life so far as far as having access to someone to to help me Mm, mm. 
That's really good. Um, I, mm. uh, I hope you've given whoever it is a testimonial at some stage. <laughs> well, okay, I'll mention his name. It's Ben Elliott and he lives in Adelaide, Australia. There you go. There's his testimonial. <laughs> if there's not been one before, we now have that there. Brilliant, lovely. Correct. So what about those days where it all goes horribly wrong, where you have a bad day? How do you, how do you deal with that? I'll thank Tim Ferriss for this one as well, Joe. God, he's getting a bit of a plug, isn't he? We love Tim Ferriss, don't we? In fact, my favourite interview of his um, in recent times, um, as much as anything else, because I haven't listened to lots recently, was um, Hugh Jackman, I have to say. Have you listened to that one? Yes, I have. I mean, it has to be him anyway, because obviously he's cool already, but he was amazing, I thought. Yeah, and Australian, Hugh Jackman. Well, obviously, I mean, yeah. Yeah. What's not to like? Yep, agree. <laughs> um, he's, so it's that Tim Ferriss thing where he's, yeah, yeah. He literally just says, um, you know, what's the worst that could happen? So when it all goes pear shaped on a given day, mm-hmm. you know, what's the worst that can happen? And then the second follow up question is, um, is it recoverable? You know, can you recover from this? Mm-hmm. You know, can you can you almost take it back to um, your life before that event occurred right and usually when you, you you write those answers it's like oh this is not a big thing at all you know it's mm-hmm. it's minuscule in the big scheme of life whatever has happened on this given day yeah that reminds me of that that meme I can never remember any of the quotes or any of the the wording for any of these things but it I, I normally get the sort of the, the feeling <laughs> the thought is that one about you know I I've got through things like this before, you know, it wasn't the end of the world last time and it won't be this time, even if it feels like it sort of thing. There's a a much more eloquent quote, (laughs) but you know what I mean? I do totally know what you mean. Yeah. yeah. Uh, There's actually one other thing that my, you know, this mindset coach also said was, um, you know, you close your eyes and you put this big problem up on the wall in front of you on this blank white wall and you just cover the whole wall with this problem. And then slowly you shrink that problem down to the size of a postage stamp on the wall mm-hmm. and think of all of the other wonderful things that are going on in your life around that postage stamp now on that wall. And it really puts into perspective that that one issue you've got is the size of a postage stamp mm-hmm. compared to all the wonderful things that you've got going on in your life. Mm. That's really powerful. It isn't works. It? I've heard that one before. Yeah, mm. I love that. Thank you. So last question then, what about those days when you get to live more? And that's where I talk about getting to do more of the things that you want to do and less of the stuff that you don't want to do. What do those days look like for you? Mm. I think for me, if I can finish, you know, work on a Thursday, there's, there's two answers to you, Joe. <laughs> so there's when, I, when I'm working, um, if I, for me, it's the, it's the gratification that I get back or the, the words that I get back from the clients, if they call me up on a given day or from having a coaching session with them and they say something like, you know, Brian, we, we started this journey where, you know, I hadn't taken a holiday with my family for five years. And I just wanted to get some you know, stamps in my passport with my family. And we've done that. You know, that is what I came to you for. You know, it wasn't for outsourcing of tasks. It wasn't to make them more money. It was to really impact their life. Mm might be a client who says that they're not spending enough time with their spouse or their children. And within six months, they've cut their work down by 20 hours a week and they're now enjoying their family time. 
So I think that's when I feel like I'm living my best life during work hours is when I get that sort of positive reinforcement back from a client. Yeah. Um, outside of that, for me, it is just that time with my own family, you know, Fridays with my wife, the mornings and afternoons with my son. You know, if I'm with them, I feel like I'm living my best life every day. Mm-hmm. Lovely. Thank you. It's been so cool talking to you today. Tell people how they can find out more about you and connect with you. Um, two ways, Joe. Um, they could just go to our website, which is uh, VA, for you know, virtual assistant, vaplatinum.com or on LinkedIn for me. So my name being Brian Jones and then the number 100. So Brian Jones 100. Lovely. Thank you so much. Thanks for your time. Thanks, Joe. It's been very fun. All this information is available in the show notes. If you go to powertolivemore.com forward slash, in this case, 195, then you'll find them there. This week, within my theme of simplicity for February, I want to talk to you about goal setting. The blog that I published this week was entitled Seven Reasons Why You Fail to Meet Your Goals. And I just thought I'd share those seven with you here. The first one was about not setting achievable goals. And it was interesting when I was writing this, I was thinking that when we did the goal setting training around SMART goals, so specific, measurable, achievable, relevant or realistic and time bound, we talked a lot about achievable being something that you can sort of see yourself being able to do and not getting too carried away with your plan and keeping things realistic. And it's interesting because if you think about business motivation and people who talk about manifestation and visualization, they will often talk about you being able to achieve anything you want to achieve as long as you want it enough and you can sort of visualize it enough and and, and put in the required effort and all that sort of thing. And when I was thinking about how do you define achievable, it was quite interesting because you could argue that sort of most things are achievable unless they're sort of scientifically impossible. Uh, But I think the thing for me is you need to be really clear about the goal or the vision or whatever you're calling it. In particular, making sure it's the right one for you. I think often we set ourselves goals that we've done because somebody else has encouraged us or perhaps somebody else has sort of almost set them for us, particularly thinking about when our parents have great expectations for our future career and, and they sort of influence the stage where we end up trying to do things that other people want us to do rather than what we want to do. So I think the achievable bit is is something to make sure that it's achievable for you with the sort of mindset and wants and needs that you have. The second one is about choosing goals in the negative often when we should be choosing them in the positive. So we sometimes say that we're going to stop doing something or not do something. And actually, if we can turn it round and make it that we're going to start doing something different, or we're going to do something rather than not to do something, then it's much easier for us to sort of galvanize all our energies behind that and actually work towards it. So, for example, instead of saying something like you're going to stop being unhealthy, a much more motivational way to express that is to talk about being more healthy. Obviously, there's more specifics around that required, but that's the sort of example of changing from expressing things in the negative and expressing them in the positive instead. The third reason is having a vision or goal that's too vague. So it's that you haven't 
been clear as to what it looks like and what will be different when you get there. And that helps to give you your motivation and your direction. So if you haven't been clear about what that looks like, then it's much harder to head off in the right direction. And more importantly, to keep adjusting your course as you do the work and you see whether you're getting closer to it or not. So be really clear about what that's going to look like. The fourth one is about not writing your goals down. And I think for me, it's not so much writing them down. It's the process of writing them down. So if you've got stuff in your head, you can be purposely vague. You can not get really clear because it's there and you know, you're happy it's there. But if you have to actually form whole sentences to write those goals or that vision down, then it really makes you again, get very clear and very explanatory in terms of what they are. So uh, even if you're not generally a writer of things, writing your goals or visions down can be really helpful in terms of getting that clarity. The fifth one is about not creating the right environment to achieve. And that could be physical environment. Your house might be too messy, your office might not be set up properly or whatever, or it might be the people around you. You've probably heard that phrase about being a combination of the five people you spend most time with. And if you haven't got people encouraging you and helping you move towards that vision or goal, then it can make it extra hard to do that. And sometimes you can't just change the people that you're with, particularly in these current lockdown times when you can't uh, change the people that are in the house with you. But you can change your focus in terms of where you spend your sort of time in your in your head, if you like. So perhaps watch some motivational videos, look at YouTube, uh, look at the TED Talks, uh, think about what books you can read, what podcasts you can listen to. Uh, this one being a good one <laughs> to keep you motivated and keep you listening to people who have got the sort of attitude that you want to be around. The sixth one is that you're not measuring your progress. So you need to know where you're going. We've already talked about that. But actually, if you don't measure your results along the way, then it's really hard to know whether you're going in the right direction and whether you're actually getting closer to that end result that you're looking for. And I like to measure lead indicators as well as the lag indicators. So the lag are things that you can't do anything about. They're, they're fixed. So like your sales, once you've made those sales, it's the end of the month. You can't go back and change anything about what happened in the last month. But with leading indicators, if you know what's driving the thing that you're doing and you know if you do more of whatever that thing is, then it's better. Then those are the things to measure more closely. And for example, that's if you know that to make X amount of sales, you have to make X amount of phone calls or speak to X amount of people in a month, then it's much more useful to measure your daily figure of talking to people, knowing that that will directly impact your sales than it is to just measure your sales or measure your sales at the end of the month. And then the last one is about not celebrating your milestones along the way. Sometimes when we have really big visions or really big goals and we're head down and working towards them, it can get really hard work. And, and sometimes we decide perhaps we don't want that thing after all and we stop doing what we were doing or we change it because it just doesn't feel worth it. So giving yourself some mini celebrations, little things to reward yourself along the way can be really helpful in terms of your motivation and your willpower to keep going to get to where you want to get to. I like to think that people take action after listening to some of the content that I share, whether that be on the podcast or on my blog or wherever. 
And the action from this is to go away and actually think about those seven reasons for your own goal setting or vision setting and thinking about how you can apply them. So that's about being really clear and specific about what they are and what the, and that they're achievable for you. Make sure they're expressed positively and are written down. Make sure you know how you're going to measure them and make sure you know how you're going to celebrate your achievements along the way. And finally, make sure that you're in an environment with people around you who help you to move towards that goal. This is one of the areas that I support my members with in my Power to Live More Calm membership, and that's through the community and the accountability elements. If it's something that you're interested in getting some help with, then please go to powertolivemore.com forward slash get calm and you can find out more about it. Again, the show notes for this week's show are at powertolivemore.com forward slash 195 and we look forward to speaking to you next week. Use your power to live more.